Welcome everybody to the Sleepy Perform Repeat podcast. This is your host, David Clancy, and along with my co-host, Connor Gavin, we are here in SoCo Performance, Dublin, Ireland, to bring you a podcast focusing on what it means to be performing at the highest level. What, in essence, is high-performance culture? We're going to share our experience and our backgrounds into what we've acquired over the years. Connor Gavin has extensive experience of working in the AFL with the West Coast Eagles, but also having worked in a high-performance environment with the Irish rugby team. Myself, David Clancy, I'm going to bring my experience and know-how from having worked in London with Isaac Kinetic Medical Group on Hardy Street, but also having experienced high-performance culture working with the Brooklyn Nets and the San Antonio Spurs of the NBA. What we're striving to achieve here is to find out what exactly makes high-level athletes tick and what makes them to perform at the highest level and how they really can get back to play at the highest level of return to play and return to performance after injury. How do all these elements play a role in performance? That's what we're really trying to find out here. So I hope you all enjoy listening to this and can learn. I really hope it sparks an interest because what we're really trying to do here in Ireland is evolve and grow and tap into what really makes high-performance culture. Hi guys, a slightly different interviewee to bring you today. Myself and David sat down and spoke to Adam Hustler, the yoga guru from the UK. So it's great to sit down and speak to somebody with a slightly different background and perspective on on high performance. And we got some real interesting um, interesting answers to some of our questions from Adam. So we speak to Adam a good bit about his background journey and how he's gotten to where he is today. Uh, so his journey through university and his non-profit work and the fact he also has a bit of a boxing background so uh, it was interesting to hear about that adam's also done a couple of ultra marathons so uh, we speak to him about the kind of benefits of doing those in terms of the mindset you develop during the events and the effect and the, the the kind of the transfer of those lessons over to everyday life and business um we speak to adam of course about his yoga his particular brand of yoga which is slightly different to anything else that's out there on the market at the moment and also get his views on kind of the benefits of yoga and how it can benefit people who are playing sport or doing exercise uh, in in the modern modern society a lot of lots of desk jobs etc so as per usual if you have any questions or comments for myself or david you can reach either of us on soco performance or d clancy physio on instagram and also, if you have any questions or comments for Adam, he's there too on Adam Husser. So, yeah, we really enjoyed this interview with Adam. Very appreciative to him for coming on. And we hope you can all take something from it. Enjoy. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Sleepy's Performer Peace. Today, we are speaking with Adam Hustler over in the UK. So, David, again, is familiar with Adam from his time in Isaac Kinetic. So, David is going to give us a quick introduction to Adam. So I had a pleasure of working with Adam for a period of time after he hurt his foot actually and suffered an injury, but he bounced back really well. He's somebody that would probably say actions speak louder than words. You'd even see that on his website. Adam Hustler is kind of a name synonymous with, with yoga, meditation, mobility, does workshops all around the world, as well as teaching in a variety of different studios in London and throughout the UK and throughout Europe in general. We're really interested in having him on today in this podcast to understand what he does on the mat and how he got to the mat, but also off the mat, because Adam's had quite an interesting journey to where he is today. And myself and Connor are really looking forward to tapping into what makes him the person that he is today. So Adam, welcome and thanks for coming on today. No, no, thanks for having me. So, so just talk to us a little bit about 
how you came to where you are today. What what have you done in the past that brought you to where you are today? Yeah, so this wasn't in no way the career plan to be a full-time international yoga teacher. Uh, so actually trained as a lawyer. That was the intention. I went to the kind of school where you do law or medicine or kind of Oxford or Cambridge. So going down that path, but quit the law world before I actually fully qualified and ended up going down the kind of the charity route, all the while kind of doing yoga on the side. But it was never anything that was significant to me. It was just something I did as a form of form of maintenance and kind of a medicine for my main form of fitness, which was uh, boxing. Yeah. Uh, so boxing and martial arts have been in my life from like the age of uh, four years old or so. Uh, and the only reason I started to focus on boxing more was at my university, the, uh, the karate, the karate club weren't amazing. Uh, hmm. So I went more down the boxing route. And yeah, at one point I got to like an 110 kilo, 5% body weight uh, boxer, doing wow. marathons and uh, doing yoga on the side and doing a full-time job. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's what? quite amazing. What was your, what was your boxing record, uh, Adam? Uh, so I was in, so I had a few amateur fights, uh, drew actually only two of them, but my focus, and this kind of comes back to something we chatted about by email, is I actually never boxed because I wanted to be a professional boxer. Like that was not going to ever be the career path. So back in Birmingham, when I moved back post-uni, I was in a professional boxing club and I was sparring pro boxers kind of daily without any kind of plan to fight because I was doing a full-time job. Uh, and my, my thinking was, I'm never going to be as good as these other boxers. You know, I'm not, I'm not dedicating the time to it. Uh, but I can be fitter than them. <laughs> that, was, that was my plan. So, uh, so I spent years basically sparring pros, trying to be fitter than pros, uh, but not really focusing actually on the, on the fighting itself. Yeah. Uh, I had a few white collars when I actually moved to London uh, just to keep me occupied, and I won all of them. Uh, but I don't think they're, they're the safest or fairest thing in the boxing world. <laughs> yeah. We're just after speaking to, uh, to Dan Lawrence there. He trains a lot of pros, so if you ever get the itch again, we can uh, pass you on his details. Uh, I've always, it's always kind of, it's always in the background. It's all, I've, I've got, I bought some gloves recently. It's kind of the vague agenda of getting back on it at some point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, time, time, time's a killer, isn't it? That's it. Now you're also somebody that's quite fond of running. You've done a couple of ultra marathons, have you? Yeah, yeah, no, so fond isn't the right word. <laughs> it goes back to uh, me just wanting to be the best at stuff. Uh, like I, I was drunk one night. And uh, this was at uni, and signed up for ma- a marathon. When I, you can do worse things when you're drunk. And I <laughs> signed up for a marathon while I was drunk. Uh, and then got drunk again, and then decided, actually, let's do a few more. And so it, within in a session, I paid and signed up for about five marathons. Uh, and an ultra-marathon, which is done 100 kilometer one with a 10th pass challenge. So I think in total, I've done eight marathons and one ultra. And there was one stage where I did, I think, four marathons and an ultra in the space of three months. Uh, and I never enjoyed it. It was more just a challenge. Like, I wanted to be able to do it. And it was quite a novelty going around the weekend, like landing in Barcelona, running a marathon and coming back. The ultra, the 100k one. Yeah, that was horrific. That was, yeah, 100k, down the river. <laughs> and I kind of worked out, I'm like, this is, this is not good. But I worked out that my limiting factor doing these runs was pain. It wasn't endurance, it was just pain. Yeah, okay. uh, so I started taking painkillers while I ran. Really? Uh, which solved the problem, probably caused many other problems. But <laughs> solved, that one. solved the initial problem in front of me, which was pain. And uh, yeah, I did some okay times. I got like three hours 20. It was my fastest marathon time. That was how I think they, 
and the 100k ultra took i think 12 hours 27 minutes ingrained in me yeah 12 <laughs> hours 27 minutes of running uh, as someone that didn't actually training wise i didn't do any running i focused just on my boxing training skipping training would sit on spin bikes for just two hours reading a book just getting used to my legs moving for a long time but i never actually had the time or desire to have running as part of my regular training schedule so Adam, depending on your, your point of view, I've been, uh, some will say lucky or others will say unlucky to have done an ultra marathon as well. And what, yeah. what I found with it is that the mental side of it is so much more than the, the physical side of it. Obviously, you have to be in reasonably good nick, otherwise you'll never last the distance. But a lot of it comes down to the space between the years, as they say. Did you find, and even with the boxing, did you find that you were able to take anything from these other sports that, or these other events that you've been involved in and utilize them in, in your yoga or in your, in your everyday life? Because I definitely took a lot of stuff from the races I've done and, and like use them every day, basically, different mental practices, things like that. Have you, have you taken anything like that from those sports? At 100%. I think it's by putting yourself in kind of really challenging, really horrific situations that you completely change yourself as a person. I think David Goggins, that famous kind oh, of yeah. mental person, yeah, he like talks about like a long distance run being like uh, like a microcosm of life. So in the space of what like twelve hours or twenty four hours, you go through so many ups and downs of like I'm flying, I'm feeling good, like why, why the hell am I doing this thing? What, what is the point in this? There is no purpose. Yeah, and you go through so many ups and downs. It's like living ten years of life in a very short space of time, and I think that completely changes you as a person. And so doing all these marathons. To having like an obscene training schedule like there was a period where i was like, waking up in the morning jogging to uh the boxing gym doing some boxing jogging to work working all day gym session at lunchtime finishing work going to yoga going back to the gym doing weights coming back home eating uh very single obviously at that time <laughs> uh, there, was no, there, was no, there was no love in my life but putting myself through that complete change me and i think i have resilience and I think that's the most valuable thing I've gained from that period resilience uh, that I can I know I can pretty much push myself to remote things even if that's just a heavy workload I know that there is enough time in the day that I can stay up all night if I need to and just push through and get stuff done and even now like in, in, uh, applying it to my yoga career I will teach more classes than anyone else I know uh, plus and every weekend I go to another country like this weekend I taught my classes in Chelsea in London then jumped on a plane, flew to Slovenia, got there late at night, went to bed, taught two workshops in Slovenia, came back, and yesterday taught five classes. Right. Uh, that's, I think, that, I think that's, that's a bit of resilience that I've gained from doing all, all, all these kind of things, plus a little bit of Irish Catholic guilt in my upbringing as well. That's probably <laughs> a factor. Yeah. <laughs> worked so hard. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Adam, you haven't spoken about it, but I'm interested in... Tell us a little bit about your non-profit and your charity work. You, you, that sounds like something I'd like to know a little bit more about you that I, I didn't know you did much of. Yeah, so at, at university, uh, I did this law degree. But on the side, I decided to work with young people in different capacities. Uh, so one thing was this thing with the Young Persons Project, like going into schools in Sunderland and Hartlepool, uh, you know, not working with the high-achieving kids, like working with the kids that were a bit low achieving that needs a bit of a kick up the arse mm. just going in with a team of students every week just chatting to them doing little projects with them we do a residential and I also worked did one in a, a young offenders institution or whatever you call it nowadays mm. uh, yeah a young offenders place uh, in County Durham I just went in kind of once a week like as a mentor 
Uh, and, then, and then kind of, I thought that would be my career path post-uni. And that's kind of what I did. I went straight into something called the National Citizen Service okay. uh, and an organisation called The Challenge. Okay. Uh, working, and the whole point of that is working with young people who've completed their GCSEs or to be equivalent and putting them through three week diverse programs. And we worked with thousands of young people and many community projects. And then after that, moved, like, I moved to London uh, to work with a company called Changemakers, which were working with young people up to 25 mm-hmm. uh, in completely different settings. So it could be that I work in, worked in Great Ormond Street Hospital helping them with their concept, how they consult with older young people, not just children, but like 14-year-olds upwards and how they, the, the hospital can not just be a kid's hospital, but a young people's hospital. And we created a forum there. But I went, you know, do, doing that to work, giving out condoms to <laughs> yeah. young people. <laughs> and as part of that, there was working in a centre uh, called Lyft, which was a, uh, a new conversion in Islington, an angel in Islington. Uh, amazing building, it had like a gym. And it had a dance studio, it had the most incredible facilities, and it was designed to be a centre for young people that was targeted on wellness, wellness in every sense. So wellness mm-hmm. into fitness, uh, amazing food, we have kitchens, and the idea behind it as well is it would be uh, completely led by young people, in that I would manage a group of young people and help them make decisions on how, how it runs, on entry fee for young people, but could also actually act as a, make its own money. So every daytime, we wouldn't have access to young people everywhere all day, but we'd have MTV booking out of our studio. We'd have Cancer Research UK doing a conference on the top floor. Uh, oh. But in the evening, we'd be giving out condoms and we'd be having all these fun programs for young people. So that, and and I, I loved working with them. And then the job, a job opportunity came up to actually run this centre. Uh, and I applied for it and got it. So I, was, I loved it. I absolutely, absolutely loved it. But then I was teaching yoga on the side. So I was running this side, then eventually actually two different sites, managing a team of staff, trying to train, and teaching almost 10 yoga classes a week. Uh, and for various reasons, I kind of left that role, thinking, I'm not going to be a full-time yoga teacher, although I kind of was doing 10 classes a week, uh, but I'm going to just see where I want to go next. But part of my thinking at that time was, okay, so I'm working with young people, lovely, uh, but I'm working with quite a small group of young people. And these young people have been targeted by multiple organisations. But if I can make, through teaching yoga, make people more mindful. If I can work with CEOs, Mm. uh, people that employ multiple people, business leaders, and make them more mindful in their day-to-day, more mindful employers, then I can potentially have a far greater effect on the world than I can just working with a small number of young people. Uh, And sometimes I have to try and remind myself of that sometimes. And when I'm teaching, often I'll teach maybe a thousand people a week. And if I'm just making a little contribution to helping them have a nicer life and helping them be nicer to other people uh, in whatever sense that is, then I think hopefully that's has a far greater effect in the world than just working with one young person. Okay. Well, that's great to hear. We definitely commend you on your, your work today, Adam. It's not everyone who'll get up and kind of give their time up to work with charity. So it's great to hear that. I, I got uh, paid. I got paid as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, well. Still, it's well, still not, a, not a university, not yeah. a university within a venue, in the job though. Perfect, so uh, when myself and David, we were uh, having a, a chat about, about you coming on and uh, David obviously is a lot more familiar with you and he was giving me your background. So he was saying that to your, your, your background, obviously what you're doing is more vinyasa flow yoga, but he was mentioning this idea that you were more alignment based. Now, speaking to someone as myself who hasn't done yoga or a lot of it before, could you break down what that means and... Well, uh, how course, the, yeah. the, the effects it can have for people. 
so obviously in the, in the yoga world now, there's so many different styles of yoga. You've got you know the more spiritual stuff, the more very overt spiritual stuff. You have the more dynamic movements that are maybe led by pop music. Uh, you have Iyengar yoga, which is very kind of anatomical but still quite traditional. So my start, my, my the rationale for me is if you're going to use your body to do something, particularly yoga, without taking anything away from the tradition, you should make sure you're doing it. Uh, from an informed from an informed standpoint, and my view is, you know, we have MRI machines now. We've researched the human body, so if we are going to use the body in yoga, I want it to be done safely and sustainably. Uh, so my focus when I teach yoga is why? Why is this posture helping? Why is it a useful posture to be in? What's it actually doing for you? Are we balancing flexibility and strength, or are we just sinking into flexibility? Uh, so my style is still fairly dynamic, but controlled. Like my view is if you move from shape to shape very quickly, you'll get very little from it. But if you can actually stay in a pose and explore the nuances and subtleties, where you're engaging, where you're opening, where you're stabilizing, you'll get so much more from that. But it's still flowing, all-encompassing yoga practice. And I call it alignment focus to kind of differentiate myself slightly from the kind of teacher that will just flow and it'll be quite nice. And to look at it almost looks like a bit like a dance routine. Uh, which is not uncommon. And I think that can be wonderful for some people. But I think, I always advise my students, do a few different styles of yoga with a few different teachers that offer you something different. Uh, but, for, but at least for for me, working... Uh, work, sorry, just somebody, I just got distracted by somebody shutting a window. But for me, at least what, having some classes that offer you some kind of anatomical focus. Yeah. So we'll have a lot of listeners to this, um, Adam, who will be involved in exercise in some capacity or another and who might never have done a yoga class before. So what do you think are the, what, what are the, the big benefits, the big obvious benefits uh, to you that mightn't be so obvious to other people to help them with their sport or with their performance from things like your, your flows or things like transcendental meditation, these kind of aspects that you're familiar with? What, what are their big I, I advantages? From a, real, from a real basic point of view, it can just be a nice antidote. Like, as a, as a boxer, I spent a lot of my life in a very asymmetrical position mm-hmm. with my shoulders rolling under. And it just, a yoga practice acted as an antidote to that and actually increased my performance. It made me engage muscles that I hadn't before. It helped with the recovery. But even if, you know, you spend all of your day as a dancer, constantly, let's say, the ballet dancer externally rotating, and actually kind of engaging your adductors and actually creating some internal rotation, it's probably a really useful thing for you to help to help you find balance in your body in the long term. So let's say that's just one thing, helping you uh, acting as an antidote or helping you find balance in your practice. I think it can also really increase performance. Uh, and I certainly found that. Like at the boxer, suddenly my hooks got so much better. I was able to engage so many other, <laughs> other muscles. But perhaps less obvious is the fact that as sports people, there's a lot of objective success. Like getting a PB, lifting a certain weight, uh, beating someone. Whereas with yoga, there's nothing to succeed at. Like you can't win, you can't lose. You know, everyone's coming from, I always remind my students of this. Like everyone's coming from a different background. In a typical class, I have a ballerina, I have a former gymnast, I'll have a boxer, a lawyer, people that are injured, people that are pregnant. Everyone's completely from background. And yet I always encourage my students to ignore everyone else and let it be a relatively subjective experience of self-inquiry. Like looking into the body, looking at how your mind interacts with what you're doing and are you getting frustrated are you feeling relaxed uh, and that's kind of how I would treat it and the practice of self-inquiry when you can't win you can't lose and it teaches you a lot about yourself I think and it's quite rare I think in today's world where we can just just be with our body 
without any any over agenda. And of course, there will still benefits. There will still be physical benefits, but I think it can be a lot more than that. Hmm. Very eloquently put. Yeah, Adam, how would you define high performance? What does high performance mean to Mister Hustler? I think high performance is thriving at whatever it is you're doing without too much cost. I think. Uh, I think they should always be, as I kind of reiterated a few times, as they were balanced. So I think high performance where every other aspect of your life suffers. You're high performing at a particular thing, but you're losing at life. <laughs> uh, I think to a degree. Okay. So I think it's that, it's that balance between, yes, thriving, but in other parts of your life still finding satisfaction. Perfect. So Adam, you've had a bad day, you've been caught on the tube, the weather is crap. Uh, you've had a, a very rare, maybe a, a session hasn't gone exactly according to plan. How do you how do you recenter yourself? How do you um, regain kind of your edge in, in developing your business and in, in teaching your classes in, in your life? Basically, what 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 methods do you use to to recenter yourself? I think yoga actually really helps you in very unobvious ways, and I, I chat about this with my fiance recently. And the fact that nothing really stresses me out too much anymore. But equally, nothing excites me that much anymore, which might sound a little bit dull. <laughs> but like when I'm teaching in, in an amazing studio or like I'm teaching in Sri Lankan jungle, I'm not like, yeah, this is incredible, I'm winning. And equally, when I do a workshop and for whatever reason it's really low, like low attendance or I'm stressed, as you say, I don't get too attached to it. Uh, and I think that's been an effect of a long-term yoga practice and a long-term meditation practice. Is, is finding that middle path, which is kind of related to Buddhism in many ways, just finding that middle way and not getting dragged into emotions. And I think as uh, Marcus, no, Shakespeare, Shakespeare kind of referencing the Stoics, there's nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. So you kind of have a choice with how you react to things initially. Or no, you don't have a choice with your initial reaction, it's kind of instinctive. But beyond the first 30 seconds to a minute, you then have a choice of whether you indulge that and get stressed out by that, or whether you just can let it go, move on with like the practicalities of, uh, of, of what's in front of you. Uh, so that's kind of the biggest part of my answer, is a kind of a, a yoga meditation practice can really help with that, despite you not thinking it, that, not that in the plan. Uh, but on a day to level, if I do have a really stressful day, uh, you, teaching actually really helps. Because when I'm teaching, I'm to a, degree, to a degree performing. And it's probably the same with any kind of sports teacher or any kind of teacher, you are to a degree performing and you go, you put a certain mask on. And I think being needed and being required to, to present yourself as something uh, can really help you find a little bit of center. So when you go back to being yourself, uh, you're a little bit better than you were before. Adam, how would you define yourself? What are your big three in life currently? How, how would I define myself like as a person? As a person, yeah, three things that mean a lot to you at the moment. You know, you could say it could be your family, it could be yoga practice, it could be a variety of different things, it could be philosophical. What are, are okay, three, so three things that mean a lot to you? So this, uh, this number one is a bit soppy, but it's love at the moment. Like hmm. I've uh, I found a relationship which has kind of completely grounded me, which has made me really want to just settle. We're getting married this year. Uh, so I'm going to be a husband. And so that's actually really important to me. And I think that's been a, a really wonderful grounding, stabilizing thing for me to have that. So that's one of them. Love. I say love. How very hippie is me. Uh, <laughs> number one is, is a practice of, uh, of, of balance. 
like in everything I do, trying to. And that's not to say I'm, I'm you know, balancing six hours a day. I'm going to work six hours a day. I'm going to have fun times, but just finding the middle way, not getting caught up in anything overtly. Uh, that's a big part. But then, almost in contrast to that, number three would be like trying to thrive in whatever I choose to do, doing it wholeheartedly. Uh, so for yoga teaching, that manifested me teaching a lot of classes because I want to be not the best yoga teacher, but the best I can be. And for me, that requires practice. It requires teaching a lot of classes in a lot of different countries and being exposed to criticism, etc. Uh, so yeah, I think that's a biggie for me. Uh, trying to thrive and be the best. What I'm, what I'm choosing, this is a path. Trying to be as good as I can at it. And if that part ever changes, you know, if I, if I suddenly decide to be a lawyer, which won't happen, but if I did, I would want to be thriving at that as well. Adam, I've really, really enjoyed this today. I've actually yeah. learned an awful lot, and I'm going to come away inspired having listened to you, and that's why we wanted you on it. You're a man who you're a, you're a man who preaches about wellness. You're having a, a huge effect on a lot of people, positive, huge effect. You, you're a teacher, a teacher that has great endurance, great work work ethic. You're resilient. You're trying to help people practice self inquiry and center themselves and find within that yoga practice that they do with you subtleties about how they can go about and live a happier, more balanced lifestyle after having met met you. So. It's been really, really fun and and great to have you on today. You're a man of love, balance, and you're thriving. You want to be the best that you can be. We wish you all the best going forward. And it's a shame we can't be in your class in the next hour because Connor could probably benefit from it. And I'm a little stiff in my thoracic, so maybe sometime in the future we'll have to make a way to one of these workshops. I'm in, I'm in Ireland a fair bit. And yeah, thank you to you guys for your time. And actually, thank you to you as well for the work you did with me. On my broken foot, there was a point in which I thought, is career over? Am I ever going to have to jump back and land on my foot, etc.? Because it was really problematic. So actually the work with you was a big turning point in my life. And I was a very low period. And uh, you, you hooked me up and sorted me out. So thank you to you for that. I appreciate it. Thanks, Adam. Cheers. Thanks, Cheers. Adam. Bye-bye. Take care, Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.